0: being recorded uh welcome back uh welcome back to rigged um we are going to hit two subjects today uh, about corruption in massachusetts uh with the within the law enforcement community uh one is very timely and recent and the other one kind of it's an old story but hasn't really like gained a lot of traction in um in the media some some places talked about it but it's kind of a big story uh in in our minds about an evidence officer in springfield we've done a lot on springfield uh but this this case is just uh kind of crazy i just i got some documentation on it um a few weeks back but um chris you want to you want to talk about the first that we we've been talking about um what's been going on with the the state police union head um And he's basically been convicted of a racketeering case, right? Like like the mob. I mean, that's what the mob gets convicted of, Tony Soprano yeah. style. So you, so you want to talk about that one?
1: Sure. So the um, former president of the Mass State Police Union and former, uh, he's a former lobbyist. He was convicted of a RICO violation, fraud, obstruction, and various tax charges. So I'm reading from the... Uh, DOJ's website right now. And so it says, uh, former president of the State Police Association in Massachusetts, uh, SPAM, that's their uh, acronym uh, for the State Police Association, the union's former Massachusetts lobbyists were convicted by a federal jury today of racketeering, fraud, obstruction of justice and tax crimes. Dana A. Pullman, 60 of Worcester and Ann Lynch, 71 of Hull were convicted following a 20-day jury trial of one count of racketeering conspiracy, one count of honest services wire fraud, three counts wire fraud, one count obstruction of justice, and one count of conspiracy to fraud the IRS. Uh, Pullman was also convicted of two two additional counts of wire fraud and two counts of aiding and assisting the filing of false tax return. Uh, Lynch was convicted of an additional count of obstruction of justice and four counts of aiding and assisting in the filing of a false tax return. Um, and set, sentencing is scheduled for March 8, 2023. Uh, both of them were arrested and charged in August of 2019 and indicted in September
0: 2019. Yeah. And I mean, many of the bribes were disguised as consulting fees, right? They were, they were paid to Pullman and his wife. It was like he and his wife had this operation going where they were pretending to be consultants, but they were just getting kickbacks. And all of this is state money, right? Like, where were these kickbacks coming from? Is this all like tax dollars? Do we know? I'm not sure. Uh, they're, they're coming from contractors, it seemed. And uh, Pullman, it sounds like, was known for his harsh negotiating con- uh, tactics, right? And And he, you know... Was, was always saying, or according to the Globe, he always said he wanted accountability from the top. That's my favorite quote in the story. Accountability from the top from a guy who was literally stealing is uh, is rich for sure. Um, Ilias, well,
2: I, what are your thoughts? Well, I was under the impression that the, the main accusation is that he was stealing um, or misusing union funds. And so I know there was allegations that he used a a union debit card um, for like you know extravagant vacations, et cetera. Um, And so I think this is sort of um, uh, you know embezzling the the funds that the that the head of the union would be um, either in charge of or in a position to sort of dictate how they get directed. Um, And so that's that's interesting. Um, because the victims, then in theory or in actuality, are the um, the, the rank and file members of the union, and um, and but this seems to have gone on, uh, I think for a long time. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how many years he w- he was the head, but um, I, I think he started in 2012, and then at some point things weren't adding up, perhaps literally, and he got pushed out. But um, you know, it's it's you don't hear a lot of, at least I haven't heard a lot of vocal outrage uh, from state troopers about, hey, you stole our money. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of one of these uh, interesting cases where uh, there's there's uh, sort of navel gazing, right, uh, in a mm-hmm. lot of uh, places because you have the um, the awkward task of prosecuting a police officer by prosecutors when they're not used to doing that and then you have the other awkward part which is that the 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 victims are kind of kind of you know playing for the wrong team so to speak and don't want to make a big deal about this so um in that way it was probably the perfect crime um uh, until it it wasn't um because who's really going to call you out
0: right and i mean the minute you call like if you're a cop the minute you call out another cop that finger will just point right back at you and you know that it will. And so I think they tend to, that's why there's that, you know, the blue wall of silence or whatever here, let me read some more from that article. Uh, Dana Pullman 61 had no reaction as the verdict was announced, finding that the, uh, that he took kickbacks totaling uh, 41 grand. See, to me, it's like 41 grand. Really? Like these guys are making 200,000 at least. I, I mean, I, I don't have his salary in front of me. I'm assuming he's making over six figures. So 41 grand over a year, that seems like small potatoes to put your head in a noose. So I always well, question those numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to, this will be the theme of
2: today, right? Which is um, when you get, when there's sort of an internal investigation into how much money actually disappeared, sometimes the, the amount reported is sort of the layup amount, right? It's the amount exactly. that you could prove uh, it's the it's the amount that makes people sleep well at night because they don't think this was a big massive scheme. Yeah. Um, but it's right. It's sort of like uh, you know, if someone asked you, do you want to end your career and possibly go to prison for twenty thousand dollars? I mean, a lot of people might think about it for a few minutes, but a lot of people would probably say no. Talk yeah. to me when there's a few more zeros uh, and maybe a, a, a comma somewhere in there.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> so it's a, it said he took forty one thousand. 000- from a union lobbyist and diverted thousands of dollars from the union for personal expenses including flowers, gifts, a Miami Beach vacation, and meals at upscale restaurants with his girlfriend. Many of the bribes were disguised as consulting fees paid to Pullman's wife and commissions uh, paid to him. Pullman had a reputation of being fierce. I already said that. Um, and then his co-defendant Ann M. Lynch, uh, founder. Oh, she was seventy-one, and he was uh, sixty-one. So I guess does that make her a cougar? Can I can I say that? Or um, <laughs> anyways, founder and former owner of the lobbying firm Lynch and Associates also was convicted with Pullman. They were charged with uh, conspiring between. 2012 and 2018 the years pullman served as president dude not a single year went by that he, like that he wasn't doing this shit that's that's yeah, awesome I,
1: I just wanted to add uh, you can look up uh, in, uh mass state employee um wages and so dana pullman in 2017 earned ninety-one thousand one hundred eighty dollars and 92 cents
0: okay so that was half of his salary Essentially. And then uh, Pullman and Lynch were found guilty of engaging in racketeering conspiracy as well as honest uh, service wire fraud, wire fraud, obstruction of justice, and filing false tax returns. Jurors in the U.S. District Court in Boston deliberated for more than 15 hours. Wow. And then it says it gives background on Pullman. He joined the state police force in 1987, became a union treasurer in 2008. And president. Four years later, he retired in November of 2018, weeks after resigning as president of the State Police Union of Massachusetts amid a probe by the FBI, IRS, and U.S. Attorney's Office into alleged financial wrongdoing. Wow! Def- so that's def- interesting.
2: He was the treasurer before he was <laughs> president. Dude, come so on!
0: Probably Tip figured
2: out that iceberg. no one's really counting the
0: money, uh, right? Like, cause dude, come on. <clears throat> and like, you know how these guys are with their pensions too, right? He was serving since 1987. Like, why wouldn't he just fricking retire? Like, why was he still working all these years later in, in up to 2018? That, that is lots of questionable stuff here. Defense lawyers for Pullman and Lynch argued that prosecutors labeled legitimate payments as kickbacks and bribes and warned jurors not to judge Pullman for being brash loud and overbearing union boss. Don't hate me because I'm a dickhead. Um US district judge Douglas P. Woodlock scheduled to um uh, sentencing is March eighth. I wonder how much of this stuff will actually start trickling out because I, you know there's there's a ton. Behind here, I mean, if he's a treasurer, to your point, Elias, this is going to be the yeah. indictment laid out. Four different schemes in which Pullman used his role as union boss to steer business um, or money to Lynch. In addition to the seven thousand monthly retainer fee, her company was paid by the union to lobby on its behalf. See, dude, this is what drives me crazy. Unions, like, why are we? <laughs> we're getting, we're paying tax dollars to pay a lobby form firm to lobby to get more tax dollars for us. Like this sound, this is absurd. It's absurd. Seven grand a month. In exchange, she paid him kickbacks ranging from 5000 to 20000 and sometimes disguised as a consulting fee to Pullman's wife or a commission paid to Pullman. Prosecutors said Pullman received $20,000 in kickbacks from Lynch in 2014 that was related to a 22 million dollar settlement by the state to pay troopers for working on scheduled days off you've got to be shitting me as as part of the settlement the state paid 300 dude this is more interesting to me 22 million just for working fucking days off are you kidding (laughs) me like who out there that's worked at like Lowe's or Home Depot or something like that you know, like the, your boss calls you and tells you you have to work that day. You're not going to get a fucking settlement from the state for 22 yes. million. How like much this.
1: was Luke's settlement for, by the way? Fourteen. Yeah. this is Fourteen, 14 for the drug the lab state. shit.
0: Great point, Chris. Crazy. Crazy. Great point. And that's, those were people who had their constitutional rights violated. And these guys just had to work on and off. They and got 22 million bucks. It.
2: Saturday and and did did I hear you correctly that so one way to disguise payments to him was to direct them to his wife but then some of the money that he was misusing was to buy flowers and other things for his girlfriend
0: yes correct So
2: I feel like there's sort of an interesting um, sort of telenovela uh, aspect there that that I I, I, you know I'd want to know more about because I assume that people knew about this right yeah the Globe um, they had to do come
1: on they had addu- to in 2017 he used his uh debit card to pay thirty six hundred dollars for a quote personal getaway with his girlfriend in miami beach
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> like, for his gf yeah telenovela right K lastima and then um all right so where was i prosecutor said received uh 20 grand in kickbacks um, from lynch in 2014 that was related to the 22 yeah that that's where we left off and then as part of the settlement the state paid 350 thousand dollars to the union for expenses related to the case you have be shitting me oh my god how many people do luke or I, I mean luke got 14 million Ilias, your your guy the guy that went to jail for the cashew
2: much like, less much like, less
0: no. <laughs> I mean, come on. Two years in jail for a cashew. Zilch, three hundred and fifty grand to the union for expenses related to the yeah. case. That that sound you keep hearing in the background, ladies and gentlemen, is me constantly puking in my mouth. Pullman <laughs> told the union treasurer to issue a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar check to Lynch's firm for its work on the settlement, even though the union had already paid the firm a hundred grand according to the court filings. Now, this is what we're talking about here. 41 grand, are you kidding me? Pullman also used his spam, this is what you're talking about, his spam debit card linked to the union, you you had already, uh, to purchase $9,300 in flowers and gifts to family and friends, including some $4,400 that was spent on his girlfriend. He also used the union card to pay more than eight thousand dollars for personal meals unrelated to union business with his girlfriend, like eight grand for meals. Where is he? Like he's just rubbing it in people's faces. Jesus, this is nuts. in In twenty seventeen, Pullman used his spam debit card to pay thirty six hundred for a per yeah yeah. You already said that, Chris. So that's it on the on that story. Um. And there's more to come, I'm sure. And this, I, I mean, Chris, you had said it before that it, this would be very interesting to see what's really at the bottom because you know, like this is just coming from this is yeah. just coming from the uh, this is just coming from the globe. I wonder what else is behind there. I, I want to see the investigation. And yeah, when all when when the pull documents Yeah. Yeah. When the dust settles, I want to see everything that's in there because you know it's just absolutely gross
2: well the the sentencing memos uh, as chris could explain much better than i i would that the, those are pr- pretty interesting sometimes because uh, a lot of people don't know this but when you are convicted of a crime beyond a reasonable doubt the things that are considered in your sentencing don't have to be by a, uh, a reason proven by it beyond a reasonable yeah. doubt so the sentencing memo could have all kinds of stuff in there.
1: All sorts of things, yeah. Like,
2: you know, more probably than not, he blah, 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 blah. And so you get, like, sometimes a, a whole layer of the story um, that was not part of the actual conviction. Um, uh, but, uh, and, and, and I, I'm not a huge fan of this. And, you know, Chris, you're probably just used to it. But it seems to me that if if you can't prove something beyond a reasonable doubt, I don't know why we're talking about it in a in a sentencing memo. But anyway, that's the that's the that's our system. So
0: right, because it's it's like innuendo, and you know, like you you can get down murky paths, and it just kind of starts to paint another picture, you know. And how much of it's true, how much of it is fair? That's dicey. All right, do you guys have anything um, anything else you'd like to hmm. say about this? I'm sure there's more to come.
2: Well, I, I guess you know when you buy flowers, w- they ask you how much you want to spend. I always say like under forty, but maybe I should keep scrolling and see how far down it goes. You know.
0: <laughs> well, it, well, but the alias is it for your wife or is it for your girlfriend? Like well, that's that, that's I the question, that, you're right? Well,
2: having two is a huge mistake financially. Uh, uh, oh. Obviously. Oh, st- <laughs> come stick on, to one. stick to
0: financially, one. Financially, and I mean, I can barely. <laughs> You know, it's hard enough to keep up with with my wife, let alone um, having to have responsibilities to pay attention to a whole other person. And I'm sure he had a family and and all that stuff. It's just way too much, way too much. Um, Chris, any (laughs) final thoughts? No, that was good. (laughs) All right. All right. So here's the other one. I've been dying to do this one. I've I've been submitting. So I I, I just want to indulge myself in a you know slight tale of how I got these uh documents. Um of course you know to me it's a big deal, but I I told Luke Ryan I got them and he's like, Oh yeah, I knew all about that. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> okay, that guy knows everything. Um so uh I I was foying for Kevin Burnham. Kevin Burnham was the Uh, evidence officer for a long time um, in Springfield uh, for the Springfield PD and he you know famously uh, got um, he a few years back he ended up uh, getting arrested and then killing himself which is you know a horrible tragedy um, for his family and for the the people that worked you know and liked him at Springfield uh, with the Springfield Police Department. And, you know, this, the whole thing is just kind of this ugly turn. Um, but this kind of, I, have been foying this for years, trying to get this information and, you know, the state police basically violated the public records law again and again and again. Um, uh, and finally, just randomly, I get a, uh, I get an email with all this information from Springfield, just like they didn't even tell me they were going to do it. They just like sent me all this stuff. It was, it was kind of crazy. I'm like, what the hell? But so uh, back in 2014, when Kevin Burnham retired, um, Richard E. Neal of Massachusetts in the House of Representatives uh, had this to say, Uh, Mr. Speaker, on July 25th, the Springfield, Massachusetts Police Department said farewell to their longest serving officer when Kevin Burnham retired after 43 years and two months on the job. A highly respected professional, a popular colleague, and a dear friend to everyone on the force, Kevin relinquished (laughs) his senior officer badge last week to Ruben Borio following a time-honored tradition. For the first time since July of 1971, Detective Burnham would not be patrolling the streets of the city he loves. (laughs) Ask anyone in the department who their favorite coworker was and their reply would likely be Kevin Burnham. They admired his dedication, strength, and courage. They enjoyed his sense of humor and the laughter that seemed to follow him everywhere. And his loyalty was unquestioned. (laughs) At the end of the day, Kevin looked upon the Springfield Police Department as a band of brothers and sisters. To him, the force was a family working together to make our city a better place to live, work, and raise our children. From his early days as a rookie, it was obvious that Kevin was born to be a cop, and he had the street smarts necessary to be effective in law enforcement, but he, but he also had compassion. These two qualities were reasons his career was so successful, whether it was becoming one of the first detectives to work on the the narcotics bureau, his service in both the uniform division and the crime prevention bureau, or the responsibility that came with the job of evidence officer. Kevin performed each task exceptionally. He was honest and trustworthy, and his fellow officers knew he, he had their back. Being a police officer always comes with risks, and two years ago, one of his closest friends, Officer Kevin Ambrose, was killed in the line of duty. To Kevin Burnham, it was the lowest of low points, but with his trademark integrity and character, um, let me repeat that. With his trademark integrity and character, he led the funeral procession for his fallen friend along with nearly 1,000 law enforcement officials from across the country. He helped turn a sad day into a touching tribute to a lost comrade. That's the kind of person he is. Kevin Burnham, Kevin and Barbara Burnham have been great friends of mine for many years. They are good people and great fun. As Kevin begins his long overdue retirement, I want to wish him nothing but the very best. And on behalf of the United States of America, it gives me personal satisfaction to congratulate him on an extraordinary career serving and protecting the citizens, of Springfield. Well done, Detective Burnham. Now, um, a, a nice tribute on the House of Representatives, uh, the the floor of our, you know, uh, Congress. And on, uh, so here is the police report on March fourth, two thousand fifteen. The Springfield Police Department requested this office investigate the possible larceny of funds from their narcotics evidence locker. Until his retirement on July 25th, 2014, Kevin Burnham was the primary officer responsible for overseeing the narcotics evidence room. Thereafter, Springfield Springfield PD officer blank, there's a lot of redactions on here, so I'll just go through it, took over as narcotics officer Uh, with evidence officer blank and yeah two other people the initial discovery of missing funds was made sometime after burnham's retirement when uh, the wife of a defendant whose case had been dismissed visited springfield pd seeking the return of the money seized from her son during his arrest mother I, i said wife i meant mother sorry officers blank and blank were unable to locate evidence envelopes containing the cash seized from her son, either at Springfield PD or at the courthouse. Uh, Thereafter, the two officers discovered that evidence envelopes containing money seized in two other cases were also missing.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, isn't that so weird? Shortly thereafter... Um, an officer co- contacted Burnham and asked if he could come to Springfield PD. Uh, it, this is Mr. Integrity, right? Uh, contacted Burnham to, and asked him if he could come to Springfield PD to help them look, uh, to help them locate the three missing evidence envelopes. Burnham agreed to assist them, but requested copies of the police reports and evidence tags for each case so he could refresh his memory. Ah, uh, they provided Burnham with the copies of the reports and evidence tags uh, on or around Saturday, November eighth, two thousand fourteen. So Burnham came to Springfield PD with his aide and in uh, another officer, and they were able to find all three envelopes. He was a sergeant,
1: envelope. by the way, right?
0: Yes. Sargent, something there. Yeah. there. Mm-hmm and they were able to find all three envelopes in areas that had previously been searched thoroughly. Uh, Later, an officer closely examined the three envelopes and noticed the evidence tags affixed to all three envelopes were copies rather than the original tags. He also noticed that all of the information written on on each tag included the portion that should be filled out by the arresting officer was in the handwriting he recognized to be Burnham's. Um, I think I did a better job forging my absentee uh, notices in (laughs) high school. Uh, After those three envelopes were seemingly recovered with Burnham's help, two officers continued to have difficulty locating evidence envelopes containing cash seized in connection with narcotics cases. By February 2015, there were at least 10 narcotics cases missing with a total of more than uh, $140,000 in missing funds. After determining uh, that none of the missing money had been taken to court for either forfeiture, which we'll get to later, right Elias? <laughs> or a trial, yeah. um, a sergeant and, off- and two officers began to conduct an expanded search of Springfield police, uh, the Springfield Police Department. Um, On or around February 23rd, 2015, their search led them to a storage area in the Springfield PD garage Where, while pulling boxes off shelving in that area. So these cops, like, like try to visualize this, these cops are like tearing apart Springfield PD, looking for like hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash, and it leads them to the garage. And they're randomly pulling boxes off of shelves. Instead of like going out and catching bad guys, they're looking for all this dough all day long. This is a sergeant and two officers. Um, an officer located a briefcase with boxes stacked in front of it. After a, f- <laughs> a briefcase. After a further <laughs> search in the same storage area, he located two additional briefcases. Wow. A search of the um, a search of the three briefcases yielded over 300 empty evidence envelopes, which were affixed with evidence tags and personal papers belonging to Burnham. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Dr. Moriarty. In in the same storage area, they also located two cardboard boxes in bankers folders, uh, in a banker's folder containing over 275 additional empty uh, evidence envelopes with evidence tags affixed to them. Loose in a larger box, they located $12,600 uh, $12, of counterfeit currency with no property tag. Jesus. <laughs> After inventorying the briefcase, the two boxes in the banker's uh, folder, uh, a sergeant And the two officers recovered what appeared to be the original evidence envelopes for the three cases that Burnham purportedly helped locate, as well as the envelopes for the other 10 missing cases. Now, can we pause
1: for one second? I didn't read this before coming on here, but those 275 evidence envelopes, does CPCS have the list of that? I don't know. Cases. I, I mean, like that's all Brady material, right? Like, Correct mundo. Yeah. Um, there,
2: there was a chart that they prepared of um, I don't know how many cases, and I think it added up to three hundred ninety thousand. That lists the the I believe the defendant the do- and then there's columns for how much was supposed well how much was reportedly seized and how much of it was forfeited and then how much of it was returned and then how much is missing um so if we looked around we could find that i think they did break it down by defendant these
1: 275 in particular
2: who's oh i don't know about those two i'm just saying i know that there was some attempt to catalog and mm-hmm. and may it may have started with empty evidence bags cuz how would i've always wondered how would you know that money is missing i mean we can you know dive in more but it's sort mm-hmm. of interesting right um you know, you, you just say, what money, right? And then it's it's sort of over. But um... dude,
0: so, so but for me, like the, Burnham gets the call. They're like, yeah, we're missing these cases. He's like, oh, fuck, are they in those briefcases I left in the garage? Wouldn't that be his first thought? Like, did he not know where he stashed this shit? And why is he not? Why is he stashing it in the Springfield Police Department garage? Why doesn't he take it out with him and put it in his fucking house or like another plate? Like, why is he like, am I wrong?
1: Who's the sergeant that was helping him out? Like when you read that paragraph earlier, it seems like he brought like a couple of dudes to help him out and they magically found
0: envelopes. Yep. Yep. I I honestly, this is such a cluster F.
2: Well, we know from in our, our Framingham episode that the evidence officer who similarly took stuff—I uh, uh, believe—money, he that he was caught because he had the bag, uh, empty evidence bag in his car, right? Right. He had a few of them. Yeah. Um, and I know that we know from Hinton and Amherst, where they found tons of uh, evidence bags kind of strewn around. That I think there's. I think the operation. Uh, I'm just guessing here because I've never. Um, embezzled cash but uh, I'm guessing the operation requires a certain amount of indeterminacy meaning when you take stuff out of the bag there might be like a period of about a month where maybe the bag has to be um, returned with money in it so you kind of have to keep the stuff on hand I I think Um, and then you wait till the coast is clear uh, and and there are uh, I mean Chris you could outline them but there are probably a number of events that would sort of uh, 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 be conclusive um, in in uh, letting you know that the coast is clear, right? You might have a plea deal, you might have a civil forfeiture. Uh, I mean, you know, the list goes on, I'm sure. And then you sort of know that that then it's okay. So I'm guessing that there was probably different stages of embezzlement and some of the bags that were in one place might have been in a different stage than the the bags that that were never found for example
0: right i i uh yeah Th- this is mind boggling to me anyway mm-hmm. well like you said i mean i don't think any of us have ever embezzled any cash so regardless um but but it just the way he handled like i mean the the hallmark of this case to me is arrogance um and we'll we'll get into it as we read the testimony but like I mean think back to what I read about the um uh what what was read on the house floor where they're like he was respected and loved and thought was hilarious by every single officer you like they interview every officer and they're like yeah he was a dick like some of them were like yeah I did not like that guy
2: and um, and we'll, I mean I, you'll you'll keep going right but there's there's you know evidence that actually people were darn suspicious, right? Um, oh, yeah. Or even what, knew. One
0: perhaps. guy knew. One guy absolutely knew. And, and and this guy's on the house, this jabroni is on the house floor singing his praises to the sky. On Monday, March 16th, 2015, at approximately 10.50 a.m., members of the Attorney General's office, including Captain Robert Irwin, our favorite captain, and Sergeant Joseph Ballou, of it, of hidden lab fame these guys get all the crappy duty <laughs> um uh lieutenant michael ahearn troopers randy thomas and evan breeding assistant attorney general uh jim o'brien and financial uh investigators Stephen bethuni and brian ferretes met members of the springfield police department including the sergeant the officers in the uh commissioner's boardroom at the at the Springfield Police Department to collect evidence the Springfield police officers took, uh, the Springfield police uh, officers had located as they searched for money and property tags missing from the narcotics evidence room. Uh, Trooper Christopher Dolan of Crime Scene Services was also on the scene to photograph and process evidence. All of the evidence had been gathered and placed on tables in the boardroom prior to arrival at approximately 11 50 a sergeant began uh by showing Can captain imagine
1: Irwin. that meeting he must have yeah. been like oh my god we gotta hide this
0: dude what <laughs> the fuck? like we just dealt with we just said <laughs> like, we Andy have Duke to hide this, this immediately
1: crap. we cannot yeah. tell defense attorneys
0: <laughs> yes yeah keep your mouth closed do not mention this to anyone like this is so many cases we just had annie dukin and sonia frock like, this is, like, two or three years later, like, what the fuck?
1: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> but, Chris, I mean, what, what's going through your mind? For me, it's, like, how much more of this stuff is out there that we don't know about, you know? That well, like, gets...
1: like I said, I'd really like to see who that sergeant was so you can go back and try and figure out if he was involved in the... Ask,
0: ask Luke. Yeah. Luke would know. Luke knows everything. He uses the force. Um, the various rooms and cages where evidence was stored at the department. Trooper uh, Trooper Dolan photographed these storage areas in, and and uh, they made a sketch showing the location of these storage areas in the department. The sketch, dude, they're sketching out their own freaking police department. <laughs> <laughs> oh. At approximately uh, 12.50 hours, investigators brought evidentiary items to Trooper Thomas, and he logged them into Beast Evidence Control Log. The Beast. Trooper Dolan photographed these items as we seized them into evidence. And they dusted the free... the three briefcases for prints, but was unable to recover any latent prints. Wow. The three brief... like, I just love the three briefcases, don't you guys? (laughs) Like... (laughs) It's a good touch. It is a nice touch. The three briefcases have been recovered from the left side of the cage in the garage and contained numerous empty property tags like we talked about. But th- my favorite part is, like, he literally, not only did he, they have all the evidence bags in those briefcases, he left his own effing papers in there. <laughs> oh, and inner office envelopes addressed to Burnham he also painted a you know a bull'seye sign on the back of his head saying i stole this money uh, briefcase number three contained numerous legal pads and that appear to have been used to log property tags while verifying cash amounts we noted that item number two only can like they don't even tell like they they redact uh financial stuff too they redact the amount of money in this which is also frustrating I don't know why they did that. Even though the seized amount was oh okay, uh, we noted that item number two only contained blank. Even though this the seized amount was blank, so clearly a a uh, a misstep there. A, a note on the evidence tag explained that twenty dollars of the seized amount was buy money, and had been returned to narcotics. A few items. What the hell, buy money? A few a few items that did not seem to have. Any evidentiary value were photographed and returned to uh, the sergeant. From yeah, that is crazy. And then so on Tuesday, June second, twenty fifteen, like talk about how slow moving is this. (laughs) Um, so then they started interviewing people, right? Uh, and they, they so this one they interviewed a sergeant from the Springfield Police Department. And he said he had a lot of experience with seized money, and he told us that more than a few times over the years, Burnham would call him the morning after a money seizure to say the count was off. He remembered the phone calls and said they they were always the same. Burnham would say things like, what school did you go to? The money you seized from Eastern Avenue was 1117 but it was one thousand and seventeen. Burnham would say it was all right, he took care of it, meaning he would correct the property tag. The discrepancy Burnham claimed he found always resulted in less money submitted than the amount that uh, the Sergeant had had submitted.
2: (laughs) uh, That's not a tip off, right?
0: No. God, (laughs) no. And by the way, people say that
2: there's more money than there is, right? Yes. Bills, two bills stick together. I mean, we've all counted money, and you're like, I swear it was 100, and you count it three twice, three times. You know, you come out short. You never come out over.
0: But, but let's pause here. This sergeant knew that Burnham always told him that the count was off, and it was always short, right? Like, what does that tell you? (laughs) It's crazy. I mean, like, this is the police department. This is like.
1: these are the cops like their account at like staples or office depot right like it's like uh, the police department
0: right but and he knew the count was always under every time like there was always a problem he always insulted him by saying he was an idiot and the count was always under so what does that tell you like are they that dumb and then he said he always counted the money two times or more, and had another officer count it again before he submitted it into evidence. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he said, "He never called Burnham a friend because he was a bullshitter."
1: <laughs> that's a quote. That's a, that is a quote. My that's a the quote.
0: word "bullshitter" is there. <laughs> He said he was the type of person who would talk nice to someone, then talk badly about them when, they're, when they weren't around. <laughs> Beloved by all, <laughs> pillar of the community, on the like written into the house record. Um, he, he even then he did not want uh, to believe Burnham was a thief, but he came to believe that he was. He came to believe that he was. This means before they found all this stuff, this guy knew Burnham was a thief. Over the years, he heard other officers say that, that money was missing, that Burnham would tell them that they miscounted the money. And he said it was hard for him because he did not uh, work in the in the narcotics department, and how do you prove it? you're a fucking cop (laughs) how do you prove it you're helpless dude come on guys (laughs) like i i don't know what to say i i really don't know what to say um and then this guy heard that burnham told the court liaison officer to put all narcotics court slips on Burnham's desk before giving them to the captain for distribution to the officers, and he expe- suspected that Burnham needed to uh, check to see what cases were going to court so he could make sure the money was there. Dude, he knew his whole operation. Right, that's, that's <laughs> what I'm getting at. So, you know, the, <clears throat> the,
2: there, the there's a period where you might have to actually magically make the money reappear. Which I think we're going to get to, right? Some instances where money magically reappeared. Yes. Um, yes. But so that that's the, that's the operation. It's it's it seems like kind of high stress, right? It's high touch, high stress operation where you got to keep track of like an air traffic controller of all the amounts that you've stolen um, and the bags that go with those amounts, and then the the cases. Um, so um, um, you know, maybe it took uh, a, a extensive organization. Uh, organizational skills I don't know maybe that deserves some commendation
0: yeah so there, something really horrible did happen to Burnham his son died which you know I mean I there's nothing that can be said about that like that that is just a horror and uh he was but when his son died this officer was surprised to see Burnham back to work within a week uh Acting like he always did, and um, the officer said that Burnham forbade anyone else from handling the money. And he recalled that Burnham was out of work for about a month after being hit by a car at the Bright Nights detail. He said Burnham still came in every day to account for the money. So he gets hit by a car, and he's back <laughs> in a fucking wheelchair right. back. At, in like counting the money to make sure that no one else touched it, and then the officer heard for years that Burnham was a big gambler, and uh, but he had no firsthand knowledge. When asked if anyone else could have stolen the money from the evidence room, he admitted he would have no idea. All right, and then uh, another officer was asked how well he knew Burnham, and he said he was friendly with Burnham, and that. Uh, He was, and then that another one was best friends with Burnham's wife and he has uh, been on vacations with Burnham in the past as they have mutual friends. Also, he told us his nephew and Burnham's son were about the same age and played ball together. At age 20, Burnham's son passed away, which again was, it was awful. On Thursday, um, June 11th, 2015, Captain Irwin, Trooper Thomas and another officer uh, attempted to locate Kevin Burnham so the captain, so Captain Irwin, could ask him follow-up questions to his interview of Burnham in Florida on March 10th, 2015. This officer had been investigating missing funds from the narcotics evidence room at the Springfield Police Department and Burnham had retired, blah, 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 blah. we knew that. Uh, on the same date, uh, we located Burnham's vehicle, a white 2004 Lincoln Aviator, Parked in a parking lot of the Knights nice of Columbus meeting hall in East Longmeadow at approximately 2:30, We observed Burnham exit the door of the hall and walk towards his vehicle and they pulled up next to Burnham identify the officers identified themselves and asked if they would be willing if he would be willing to speak to them. Burnham said he would and agreed to sit in front in the front seat of Captain Irwin's unmarked car for privacy. I then sat in the back seat to witness the interview. Uh, as we sat in the car, Burnham agreed um, that he remembered Captain Irwin from Florida and that Burnham told uh, had told him he would be willing to answer follow-up questions at a later date. Captain Irwin asked if he would talk to us now and burnham nodded and answered yes he wanted to talk to us as captain Irwin opened a folder to show burnham some documents burnham said i asked blank to be my attorney should i have him with me burnham still said he wanted to talk to us and explained that he contacted his attorney after the florida so they went down to florida to interview him as well uh we'll we'll get to that this these are kind of out of order i'm sorry um as Captain Arum was closing the file, his file folder, Burnham recognized a handwritten log from a yellow legal pad and exclaimed, "Those are my lists." <laughs> the paper referred to were copies of handwritten inventory logs that had been found in the brief in briefcase number three and seized into evidence as item number fourteen in our log. So that was in one of the briefcases, and he admitted it was his. Dum 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 dum. Office- his... <laughs> Officers had found this briefcase in the, yeah, we we know. Uh, Burnham had previously confirmed that he was leaving on a cruise the following day. (laughs) As Burnham was getting ready to exit the vehicle, Captain Irwin told him to enjoy his cruise and to uh, give his attorney a call when he came back. (laughs) Burnham sat back down and explained that his brother-in-law had sold the company and was taking the family on the cruise, paying for the entire trip. When asked what company his brother-in-law sold, Burnham replied that he could not remember. That he could not remember. Uh, Gary's not evidence money Emporium? <laughs> Burnham then got out of the car and left the parking lot in his vehicle. Yeah, yay, um Yeah. And then he said he was... Uh, not aware of of officer burnham having a gambling okay so this is another thing uh one uh, in another interview he said uh someone else said that he was not aware of officer uh burnham having a gambling problem but added that he was not uh that friendly to him um he remembered that officer burnham would bring food into the office when he hit his numbers with the lottery (laughs) He said the last time he talked to Officer Burnham was when Burnham retired. He also saw him drive by on Roosevelt Avenue a month ago and just waved. You know, these are incidental things. But um, anyways, so now I have how they found out about Burnham. So do do you guys have any comments on any of this stuff? I mean, do you want me to keep going here? I have management's reaction. I mean, it's just like an amazing story, right? It is, it is. I don't want to like bore people by reading, you know, I mean, I'm basically reading from the officer's logs and then they have a bunch of interviews with with various people. But um, one of the big things that comes out of this is that Kevin Burnham was best friends with the chief of, chief of police at for Springfield at that time. That was something that came out. Yep. And then-
2: um, and that parallels the thing that we we talked about with Framingham, where right. the evidence officer had some connection, uh, pretty high up in the department, you know, personal connection, right? Yep. I can't, I uh, can't remember. They were like uh, roommates or something at some point. But um, so there's there's always that, right? That that probably cr- creates the opportunity, you know, if you have if you're sort of um, connected, um, then it, you probably. Uh, Will we'll uh, have substantial latitude um, and some cover for for malfeasance, but you know the thing that jumped out at me was the statement that I didn't want to believe it, right? Because I think uh-huh. police specialize in the opposite, right? right. When when they see a, a car with uh, tinted windows driving really slowly down the road, um, they specialize in 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 wanting to believe that there's a crime afoot, right? And they're going to yeah. follow that car. And they're gonna if if you don't turn put you on your turn signal they're gonna pull you over for a pretext we cover that in Framingham and then they're gonna say can I search your trunk or I smell marijuana or I see some pills in the front seat you know they're gonna do their thing they 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 want to believe that a crime is taking place but when it's one of their own they're it's like they're incapable of seeing it right yeah and well, so it's sort of fascinating that that we're you know the old who's checking the checkers well. Uh, apparently nobody right because they don't right. want to believe it. it
0: and it's funny you say that Ilias, because it's like I, I view that as almost like it, like larger society we don't want to believe that these people are doing this right I don't I don't think any the general public wants to believe that the cops are doing this and so we operate like when when so, when a police officer shoots someone we, we always give them the benefit of the doubt well what were they doing you know, it's not like, oh, why is this guy shooting people? It's what did this person do to get shot? And that's the nature of the beast, right? You're a cop um, and and you, it's a dangerous job and you're chasing criminals. And, you know, sometimes people get shot. What we don't do in this country, um, and this is a little bit of a rant, but what we don't do is we don't look at other countries and say, you know what, like Germany has, their their cops never kill anyone like they, they go for two or three years without a single person getting killed by a police officer in that country and and we don't stop to think like why the fuck is that why why do our cops kill thousands of people every year and german cops kill no one and it's it just it's part of this like what i call hysterical blindness And, and, you know, like the most obvious thing is going on. He's saying the evidence officer who handles all the drug money that's coming in is buying everyone lunch and telling them he hid his number and he's going on vacations and he's bragging about it and every and no one is putting two and two together and they're all fucking cops like that. That is that's bonkers to me. And it goes on for years and years and years, because like Elias was saying, they don't want to believe it. So it's this huge confidence game. That's just nuts. It's crazy. The one thing
1: I wanted to bring up, this is what you've been reading from is from
0: 2015.
1: Yeah. And it's state police reports. And this is when it's not when Martha Coakley was in office. It's when Maura Healy was in office. If I remember correctly, Uh, Burnham was prosecuted by the local DA, not the AG's office, but the state police reports should have been going to the um, AG's criminal bureau, which is another fascinating thing. I think before we mentioned how uh, Moore Healy's office apparently didn't charge someone. Um, It may be another instance of that.
0: Well, dude, all of the, like I'm Irwin. All those guys are from the AG's office. So why did some? Why did the AG's office do all the investigating and then someone else charge them? That that is to me incredibly fascinating. Like it, like Mara, <laughs> our our governor. You know she's already won because she's r- running against a lunatic, but um, this is this is a bad look for her. Well,
2: I mean, I I don't know if this is the opportunity for me to say the thing, the big picture thing that kind of bugs me uh, about this, which is um, and this is all things we've covered, right? We've covered that the the Department of Justice for the United States of America um, did an investigation of the Springfield Narcotics Department, among other things, and found that they used uh, excessive force um, as as a pattern. Uh, Of course, there were no names, right? I'd be curious, given what we know about uh, uh, Detective Burnham, where his names would be cross-referenced in that DOJ report, right? Right. Um, second thing we know from Hinton Amherst that um, Kevin Burnham would would arrive at the little evidence window, sometimes manned by Sonia Farak, um, with unsealed envelopes, right? Unsealed bags, excuse me, of drugs.
0: Absolutely
2: and then she would either not seal it or she would set the heat sealer to such a low setting that it wouldn't really properly seal so that she could pilfer for drugs. And no one's ever explained or even really proved that they asked uh, Detective Burnham, um, why did you bring unsealed bags? Um, And at the time that you would want to have asked Detective Burnham, was at this time when there were suspicions in the air, but no actual smoking gun uh, evidence that he's stealing money. So that would have been the time to do an investigation, was when you had other reasons to be suspicious of him. And it's interesting that the the feds didn't get involved. It's interesting that this wasn't rolled into Hinton Amherst, because it's clearly related, right? You have one guy delivering unsealed evidence, evidence to Sonia Farak, and it ends up up her nose, and then meanwhile he has uh, uh, he's hoarding all of the cash that comes into Springfield, and no one connects those two dots. I mean, I I understand it's hard to connect a long series of dots, but those are two adjacent dots. Yeah, <laughs> I think a, a a toddler could connect those dots,
0: right? I dude, of course, <laughs> he was handing dr- unsealed drug bags to Sonia.
2: He also said, per her email, right, uh, she said, uh, and also Kevin Burnham insists that we stop counting the rocks and we just count the bags. Is that right? Yes. So stop counting rocks, because if we have 11 rocks and then somebody looks and we only have 10, that's a bad look. Now, Sonia Farrakh could have just said Kevin Burnham and meant Sonia Farrakh wants you to stop counting rocks. But what if she was telling the truth? What if... Detective Burnham did say stop counting rocks, all of a sudden there's this very, I think, urgent need on the part of the OIG uh, to ask why. Mm -hmm. And and the part that we might lead to at the end, but I'm just going to preview it, is that there's an important question that has been answered by the courts, which is, if someone lies and steals money, do they also lie and steal other things? And and the answer is going to be no if we don't ask the why question right if we don't ask why was he doing this stuff with the drugs then it becomes that this is a story about someone who only stole money but other than that his police work was impeccable and the courts have literally concluded that right that he has not there's no evidence that he stole that he tampered with drug evidence so therefore stop filing motions for new trial stop trying to get uh, post conviction relief invoking his name because he only stole money, but he was otherwise a morally upstanding and trustworthy person on drug evidence. Well, who's to, who's to say? We never asked. We never did it. So you, he was the uh,
1: evidence officer on that Farrick case where you know, uh, the police report said it was 60-something and uh, it came back 50-something. Do you guys remember that case? Yeah, and that was yes. the one that
2: prompted the email from Kazmarek, I believe that said, you know, maybe, I forget, maybe Sonia needed those pills for her back. Right, yeah, right, we'll right. Big, let not than blow it this is. out
0: of proportion.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right, so, so that's a perfect point. So, And that was in discovered in when? In 2000 and... Um, that
1: must have been in 2013. The, yeah.
2: the, the discrepancy was in 2013. The discovery of those communications was was around the time that I think they were looking at Burnham, I'm not sure. I know it sort of hit the fan in 2017 um, with, with the uh, carries, uh proceeding. Um, but it, it, it's sort of like a lack of imagination, is the way I'm going to say it, to think that a guy who's stealing cash and handles drugs, which, last I checked, have cash value. Apparently, it's called street value. Um, he would never dare to tamper with the drug evidence. But meanwhile, he's handing open envelopes to Sonia Farak, who ima- who ha- happens to be the one person who capitalizes on that. Um, and then we have the pill discrepancy. You're right, Chris. So that that seems like to me, if if that my my salary were based on investigating, that would be enough, I think, to open an investigation right there.
0: Mm-hmm. Dude, of course, we and and us like uh, you guys are lawyers. I'm just a dip, and like we're building a case right now based on like flimsy stuff that we've just kind of uh, like looked at they have all of the evidence i'm sure there's way more stuff and they this is all part of what they do they don't want to make it bigger than it needs to be they never want to get to the truth they want to compartmentalize they want to blame a few wonky chemists or a few you know um or i mean conveniently an officer kills himself and he gets all the blame and you know like they, they just, just want just a few soul bad actors. Exactly. And they don't they don't want to actually get to what, you know, what's really going on. And, and it's absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's what the state police union guy like. All of this stuff is continuing to this day. It's never going to stop until they stop this freaking drug war. It's unbelievable. Um, And even then, who knows? It's not going to stop because. We just give the police way too much power in this country so um there's a woman who worked at the da's office that was interviewed um and she said as part of her duties (coughs) she met with springfield uh, police officer kevin burnham almost monthly until he retired and after someone sent uh, officer burnham a list of cases where the court had ordered forfeiture Uh, Burnham came to see her at the district attorney's office to give her a a forfeiture check. He would sign a forfeiture receipt, and she would sign the evidence tags if asked. The uh, district attorney retained 50% of the forfeited funds. More on that later, right, Elias? Right. (laughs) Again, the district attorney retained 50% of the forfeited funds. And at and the the uh, woman mailed the Springfield Police Department a check for the other 50%. Sometimes but not usually officer Burnham told her that funds were not available for forfeiture because the money was already collected in the case of a co-defendant. The the money had been transferred to another agency or in older cases the city had already collected the money as unclaimed funds. Wow. That's all part of uh, the scheme, apparently. This is like we're just kind of seeing, you know, glimpses into how he was kind of running this. Uh, And Officer Blank uh, told this woman that the money in these cases was missing and that Officer Burnham was the only one who had access. Their superiors had called Officer Burnham and thought he should just admit it.
2: So I, I'm I, just just to go back on this forfeiture. We'll cover this more in depth, but this is sort of interesting, granular detail. So, is it did I hear correctly that when Springfield seizes money, uh, then if there's a, a decision or a, or an announcement of forfeiture, all of that money is supposed to then go to the DA's office, and yes. then the DA sends back a check for half. Correct. So. That's interesting right there because, um, A, if some of that money has already been pilfered, then in a sense, no one's gonna know, know or care, right? It's, it's it, uh, So you send whatever you have uh, and it can be a much lesser amount, but yeah. apparently you can also nullify that by just saying we've already forfeited it in another case or we've already, um, what was that? Used it as unclaimed funds, which I- Yes,
0: yes. The city had already collected the money as unclaimed funds. And then the next line, alias, um, officer, it's hard because the, the names are all redacted, but Officer Blank told Mrs. Blank, the woman of the DA's office, the money in these cases was missing and that Officer Burnham was the only one who had access. Here is the, their superiors had called Officer Burnham and thought he should just admit it. I'll so they, it. Th- that means the DA knew? Yes. Wow. Their superiors had called Officer Burnham and thought he should just admit it. And And then the woman <coughs> said expected Officer Burnham. She felt duped. He was always jolly and friendly. Like Santa. Think about what was just said there. Not the Santa thing. Their superiors had called Officer Burnham and thought he should just admit it
2: right because now there's two things coming in right one is he's consistently reporting discrepancies at a lower amount yeah and two now he's consistently finding excuses for why money that's supposed to be forfeited can't be forfeited yep and to me that would be those two things together um certainly alone as well but obviously together would i think suggest an immediate uh, and far reaching investigation
0: dude and this was going on for years and then the guy retires and they st- like he wasn't even smart enough to cover his tracks he had all the evidence bags right like if if they ever got i mean if if you're smart and you're you're going to get found out by someone by what happened right someone coming in and saying, oh, I want my money back. I was, you know, I was found not guilty. Where's my money? Like you keep a stash of cash in the bank and you keep all the evidence bags. And then when they call you back in, you just say, oh, I found it over here or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's it's not a great, like it's still not a great look, but at you least you're not don't
1: A whole bunch of evidence bags in a briefcase with your fingerprints and personal <laughs> yeah. mail inside of it in the garage
0: <laughs> right it is such a joke it's such a joke it's not even funny it, it's um it, it is just absolutely bonkers hmm. um and so here is when so detective advised that uh he did some oh and then another so there's one detective and he said that he did some work for burnham A few years back, he said he did some floor work and installed some carpet at his house in (coughs) Wilbraham. He remembers Burnham wanting to pay the bill in cash. Burnham pulled out a wad of bills and paid him, even though Burnham and Blank had not worked out that day as a payment date. Burnham just had a large amount of cash on him. And then he said that Burnham was having other work done in his kitchen at the time, granite countertops and a tile backsplash. Isn't that nice? (sighs) And then, so multiple, so wait a minute. First of all, detectives are doing like random construction work at this guy's house? (laughs) It's unreal. And then in uh, April of 2015, a detective advised that he received a phone call from Burnham and he did not recognize the number, but answered the ph- his phone. Um, Burnham didn't say hello. He said, "Am I getting indicted?" And the officer asked, "What?" And Burnham repeated, "Am I getting indicted?" And he asked, "Who is this?" <laughs> <And> Burnham <laughs> said, "Kevin." And he said, "Kevin, who?" And Burnham replied, "Kevin Burnham." And then he asked uh, Burnham, "Who had told him he was getting indicted?" Burnham said, "The guys at the soft at softball." told him that he was getting indicted <laughs> what Got the it. fuck burnham also said that that all he has left is softball on sundays jeez that's so god is sad and he, he, this guy advised burnham that he was not in the loop and he didn't know <laughs> burnham told blank that he was no longer with the ibpo then asked how he was doing and he responded fine you burnham responded really shitty he he added if you hear of an indictment call me at my house not my cell." wow and then uh he said we should talk to officer blank in the 4 p.m officers officer burnham always targeted their shift saying you guys can't count and you're public school guys since 1995, Lieutenant Blank never had a case where Officer Burnham found his count to be lower uh, than the actual amount submitted, blah, 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 blah. But, I, I mean, this just goes on and on and on. It, like, accounting, you know, like, this guy was the most obvious dude I've ever seen in my life. Um. Oh, here's the Tupperworth. So, uh, this one lieutenant... Um. Also remembered his involvement in a case. He said they uh, executed a search warrant at a house um, for the trafficking of heroin and cocaine. They found approximately blank in a Tupperware container. Three people counted the money, including uh, another Lieutenant and another officer. Uh, they, They did not notice any counterfeit money. And uh, they thought they called in Officer Burnham that night to take the money into evidence. If not, then they would have secured it in a temporary evidence locker in the detective bureau. And and this guy said uh, he never saw that money again. Uh, When the case was coming up for trial, he was told they could not find the money and they had ended up uh, pleading the case out.
2: And, and just pause right there. I mean, there's yeah. an interesting thing because we know from our Framingham episode that if they have a if they have an incident that's going to reveal uh, a a practice that might be illegal um, uh, and or unconstitutional, um, better throw away the case than have things be revealed. And right. we have no um, way to really amass that data meaning right. you'd have to go and look at dismissed cases and try to figure mm-hmm. out you know did they have forfeiture and you know all this stuff and it would be a real it, it would be impossible to do but but that's sort of a um there's an interesting lack of outrage that for a country that gets super into law and order and mobilized about criminals walking the street and you're you know call Joe Biden and tell him to stop putting criminals on the street they don't seem to mind when the police put criminals on the street
0: to protect their own pockets <laughs> and you know the integrity of the whole fucking system right <laughs> like i mean this guy's just blatantly stealing and I, I mean he's using the narcotics evidence room as his own bank account um so so the next thing though this guy heard uh, that officer burnham say that 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 he went to the bank with the seized evidence that was discussed before and found the money was counterfeit and they said the narcotics officers have a lot of experience handling money and he did not think they would uh, get beat like that saying you know like they can tell what's counterfeit and what's not for the most part he also thought the drug dealers were too savvy to accept counterfeit money
2: well, but wait hold on but he was going to the bank
0: Yes, he was going. He said he went to the bank with the money and that it, it was all counterfeit. They found out at the bank that it was counterfeit.
1: So The but, inference is that he was making counterfeit money or he just. Got no, the inference money. was
0: that all the money that disappeared was all counterfeit and they got rid of it or something. Right. But but at no point in the workflow that I'm aware of does seize money
2: go to the bank. Right, Right. It's not like they seize money. And then they go to like Citizens Bank and say, "I'd like to deposit three hundred and fifty-one uh s- smelly dollars." Yeah. They don't, right? You don't, you you hold it well, in your after, evidence.
1: After, well, after they get a superior court order and the.
2: But he does, the does
0: does is he the one that goes to the bank? I mean, he, well, anyway. He um, was, yeah. I mean, I don't know how it's supposed to work, but Burnham was the one going to the fucking bank. They have they have bank tellers on this, saying Burnham was showing up at the bank with wads of cash. And he had his own accounts there, and then um, when Burnham got fired, no other evidence officer ever showed up to the bank ever again. (laughs) So, so the last thing, the last thing that was he he also so so they talk about all that stuff, and then he said he also thought uh, drug dealers were too savvy to accept a lot of counterfeit money, and then it says he pointed out that Blank had a gun and asked blank there's a huge line so i don't know what the hell that is let me share my screen with you guys i'll show this i'll show you what i'm looking at i never noticed this before
2: and just to to to, to remind people um you are reading from a um redacted police report correct um and um do we know uh who who wrote he pointed this pointed out
0: that blank had a gun and asked huh
2: this is this is from the state
0: police report this is from the state police report okay who who had a gun pointed out that blank had a gun and asked huh
2: well there's not a lot of choices is there
0: no <laughs> oh.
2: Like what the hell?
0: Um. And then Lieutenant Blank said he was not too close with Officer Burnham, but he never heard of him being involved in a legal <laughs> he,
1: Very concerning.
0: <laughs> he knew he was big on vacation. Why does, the, why
1: does that paragraph fall the 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 other one? Right. I don't like, know
2: about some I don't of know. the gun and then well i'm guessing so-and-so. that I'm, I'm guessing that the paragraph before yeah, yes. i get to i get to speculate right here so yes. i'm going to speculate that that sentence says can you scroll back up he pointed yeah. out that some um um muscly muscle-bound person had a gun and asked uh so-and-so to come with him to a den of illegal gambling. I'm gonna guess that that's what that said. Right, because if you do gambling at, 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 at a certain level where it affects your life, uh, guns get involved, right? Because people Correct. don't want to pay or they yeah. want to run off with the, the poker table uh, uh, pot. Um, so I, I, my understanding is that at, at uh, you know, above like penny ante, uh, guns enter the picture
0: but like how out of context is this it, it's this is i mean without seeing that it, it's unreal right and then he never heard of him being involved in illegal gambling and that's to your point here uh Ilias. let's see where it says that but yeah. he never heard of him being involved with illegal gambling he knew he was big on vacations and he estimated he went away five or six times a year five or six times a year
2: that must be nice.
0: <laughs> he remembered that usually before a cruise, Officer Burnham would be saying he hit his number. <clears throat> like, how dumb are these people? Officer Blank said he did not remember specific specifics, but in several cases, including some of his own, the count was off. Again, according to evidence for uh, Officer Burnham. <laughs> were, they were always light, never over. Some cases were a couple hundred dollars off. All of these guys knew that the that the, every time Burnham said this was off, it was always light and never over, right? Like, all of them knew. Oh, when asked about the arrest of Blank on Blank, Officer Blank told us that they had been notified that Blank had a gun. They pulled Blank out of Blank, and a fight ensued. Officer Blank was hurt and he had to go to the hospital officer blank remembered that they recovered blank money officer blank counted the money and then officer blank counted it again officer blank said that blank had money in all of his pockets he had blank and singles like he was coming from a strip club (laughs) like some of this shit is just
1: why, why was any of he... that blacked out? Like that, exactly. that doesn't serve any investigative purpose. It's not like <clears much throat> an ongoing investigation as to whether who had some singles in his pocket, right? Like what, right. why on earth is that blacked out under the Massachusetts public records law? Exactly.
0: And he's been dead for years. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. he went on cruises a bunch, right? He was always going on cruises and and he was always saying, oh, I'm going on a cruise. I hit my number. And he hit his number five or six times a year. He's like the luckiest guy ever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it, It just, you know, it goes on and on and on. I mean, I don't know how how much oh the ibpo i had mentioned that before that is the international brotherhood of police officers by the way he he said he only knew burnham from work and through the international brotherhood of police officers he knew other officers had done work on his house he was always (laughs) hearing that burnham had just had someone put hardwood floors or top seal his driveway like are all these cops like side house flippers (laughs) <laughs> it, it, this is so crazy. He took a lot of cruises and had a loud, a large outdoor television. And, and uh, Officer Blank asked us, "How do you afford all this crap?" <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we asked attorney. Oh, okay. So this is the um, attorney. So they went to the attorneys, right? Um, who who deal with the with the cash? Um, mm-hmm. from DA's offices. We also asked Attorney Blank if he remembered discussing the disposal of unclaimed funds with Officer Burnham. Attorney Blank said he remembered Officer Burnham asking him about funds that had not been forfeited by the court or claimed by their owner. He advised Burnham that the department could seize unclaimed funds as long as there was no open cases in court just as, the, just as they seized unclaimed bicycles, cars, or anything else. He, he further advised that the abandoned property status required notice to the owner. He added that they cannot just send a letter to the address of the uh, on the arrest report, that they had to use police and registry databases to find the owner's current address. Attorney Blank told us he thought he suggested uh, funds could be seized after a waiting period of five years but admitted he could have suggested three years. Attorney Blank also remembered uh, advising that the funds uh, would have to go into an account, whether it was into the department's forfeiture account or into a city account, in case an owner returned to claim the funds. Attorney Blank stated he was not involved in an agreement involving abandoned funds. That, That would be between the department and the city when we showed attorney blank a series of letters written by officer burnham to district attorney employees blank and blank in these letters officer burnham reported that the funds were unavailable to be forfeited because they had already been seized as unclaimed funds attorney blank did not remember seeing those letters and said he would have to go to blank he remembered that blank once approached him about unclaimed funds but attorney blank said he assumed the springfield police department had set up a system with the city
1: you know i, I just wonder like where else is this is going on right
0: exactly and like this whole thing that he's talking about here and then they showed him so so they're obviously asking him leading questions and then they showed him letters burnham wrote to these guys about like missing funds and stuff like that it's like what more is there to this there it just feels like this is the tip of the iceberg doesn't it Mm. it's so strange the forfeiture checks were from the district attorney's office she said uh she then submitted the checks using the charge code in the narcotics account the department uh could then make expenditures from the account for cell phones dude so look at this, Miss Blank handled all forfeited funds from narcotics cases. So this is what happens when Annie Dukin rigs evidence, right? She Or Sonya Farrakh or whoever is rigging evidence. Um, this woman it gets all of the forfeited funds from their narcotics cases, right? And they brought her for, the forfeiture checks with a cover letter. The forfeiture the, the forfeiture checks uh, were from the district attorney's office. She then submitted the checks using the charge code for their narcotics account. So there's a, they set up a, a narcotics account and anything any kind of stolen property or, or seized money goes into that account. The department could then make expenditures from that account for cell phones, rental cars, professional services or supplies.
2: Or or flowers.
0: Or flowers for their GF.
2: Well, so th- that's interesting because um, I think we we may have mentioned this once that the city of Boston spent some large amount of money on um, I think a um, sort of questionable surveillance uh, equipment. Yes. Um, using forfeited funds. Yeah. So it's to me. That sounds like a slush fund.
0: It's a slush
2: fund. That the checks come to you, you put them in an account, and then quote, you could then make expenditures from that account for cell phones, rental cars, professional services, or supplies. Like you, I mean, you can use money for anything, right? Right? Like, why is that that statement implies that you can use it for those things because those things can be done off books.
1: Like they already have a fund that they can steal from in the first place. (laughs) <laughs> like it just it just it's mind boggling that someone would be like oh all right well i can't uh get an extra cell phone from this account i guess i'll have to uh, you know sift through the evidence locker and steal some drugs or
2: whatever <laughs> right and and it's we haven't really covered this but it's worth mentioning that you know uh, we 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 touched on this a little bit in the framing episode that where they uh, the narcotics officers couldn't really explain what they do all day, uh, they just drive around, um, and, and 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 you know they I, I'm sure there's legitimate reasons that you could get a, a burner phone. I'm sure there's legitimate reasons that you could buy um, uh, a case of alcohol. Right? There's all kinds of legitimate sounding things that if you're an undercover narcotics officer, you can buy, and you don't want that traced back to the police department in some occasions. So it seems like you're really inviting um, uh, a, a lot of mischief, and I like that they say professional services without any uh, elaboration. But um, you know, is this are are these funds audited? Are they? Is there? Does someone keep receipts? You know, is, is what's the what's the scrutiny here?
0: Right, there is none, and these and the police just see like these drug users as their own personal ATM machine for cell phones for whatever they want go arrest so this is what really is driving it right go we need to make some more arrests for drugs because we need some more dough i mean can you can you imagine that happening because i certainly can um so so the woman that handled this account said that officer burnham never came to her with funds All, all of the abandoned funds burnham never came to her and said here's abandoned funds nope she never heard from him. Uh, Lieutenant Blank was the only narcotics officer she dealt with, and he never brought her abandoned funds or asked about the handling of unclaimed or abandoned funds. Ms. Blank said the department did not did not even have a charge code for unclaimed or abandoned funds. Uh, she She said that an officer could not bring funds directly to the city the deposit would have to be uh, entered into the munis accounting system said the munis accounting system there's the, there you go alias the munis system let, let foia 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 the munis system went live in 2007 in that police department's digital records go back to 2010 she said that she maintained the backup documentation for all batch submissions since 2013 uh Miss Blank said she would compile these records and provide a copy to this office. Ooh, let's FOIA that. (laughs) Let's get that copy. Uh, Yeah, look at all this redaction. It's like I can't even read it. Like, why is all this redacted? It's crazy. And it's just about like seized funds. It's Mm -hmm. nuts.
1: Accounting stuff.
0: Yeah. When asked about money seized as evidence in narcotics cases, Mr. Blank told me that uh, about the asset forfeiture account. If money was seized in a federal case, they used an online reporting system. If it was a state case, they submitted the check through the munis accounting system uh, to the city treasurer. Then the funds came back to the police department to fund various projects to fund various projects. (laughs) Mr. Blank said that Police Lieutenant Blank gave him a check from the court and deposited it into an asset forfeiture account. This is getting so interesting. Uh, When when asked about Narcotics Evidence Room, Mr. Blank said he did not know the evidence officer. He just knew Lieutenant Blank. When asked about if he knew Officer Burnham, he said he, he just knew the name. He said that no one ever brought him unclaimed cash. He said he only deposited the money in the form of checks from police officers from forfeitures. He said a deposit code was required before sending funds to the city and did not remember. Um, And he said they used the Munis account as well before the police department used Microsoft Access while the city used Mapper. So they clearly use a bunch of different accounts uh, and then another guy was talking about the count being off or the count being short. And it was always short for Burnham. But it just goes on and on and on, guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember um, they had some forensic accountant going and, and
1: I think it was over $140,000 that he had stolen. But like this could have been going on for decades, right? I yeah. Think they were looking at
0: recent years. It's it's it is absolutely crazy. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like everyone is saying that Burnham said that these guys miscounted. Like, did they not talk to each other? And they say, yeah, Burnham told me he miscounted, too. Like, what the fuck? I I counted that five times. How is this not going on? Like, I I would like to see if this was actually reported to the, the chief of police. Right. I mean, that's where my mind is going here, because I I get the feeling that the chief was probably covering for Kevin. I mean, that that's I, I'm not making that accusation because I'll I'll get sued. But like, honestly, uh, th- this is if all of these cops are saying this that they all knew that they like Burnham was telling them that their ca- the count was off. Something right. is just not right here. Like yeah. like these are all cops.
1: There was never any widespread effort to um, try and figure out which defendant's uh, cases he worked on, I guess, because it'd be essentially all the drug cases,
0: right? Right. Yes, every single drug case. Okay, and here's the bank worker alias. While working at the blank bank, Miss Blank assisted the Springfield Police Department by allowing Officer Kevin Burnham to exchange seized currency for bank checks. She cleared this through her supervisor and through and/or the security department. Officer Burnham did not have an account at her branch. Dude, he was trading in cash for for bank checks. Ms. Blank said they used a system of dual controls, meaning that a second bank employee had to verify the count. But no one ever checked back with Springfield BD. Officer Burnham would call Miss Blank ahead of time to let her know when he was coming. She uh, she would alert her teller line sir, uh, that the checks were actually done through them. When asked, Miss Blank confirmed that there were never any other officers. It was always Officer Burnham. She remembered the bank checks were made out to Hampton County with forfeiture account in the memo line. They were always made out the same. She joked... Uh, that she had to use some dictionary, that she had to use a dictionary to check her spelling for forfeiture.
1: Well, that doesn't seem that bad, right? No, seems-
0: no I would too, or, or I just Google it. But this is the days before Google. Um, when asked about forfe- uh, when asked about counterfeit reports, Miss Blank replied that those were handled by the teller line, as far as she knew. She said they gave any counterfeit notes back to Officer Burnham. He then replaced the counterfeit currency with his own money or told them uh, to exchange to change the amount if there was a lot. Miss Blank said Officer Burnham always brought the money in an older style brown. It's the briefcase, dude. It's the briefcase. (laughs) The brown briefcase. Uh, she she also said he talked about cruises he went on with his wife. Dude, he told everyone! He told everyone! Uh, she last saw Officer Burnham in July of 2014. He told her he was trying to clean everything up because he was retiring. He told her he did not know who was taking his place. Wow. That's it. That is quite the tale. I'm sorry if it was a little disjointed, and uh, but it, there's a lot to go through here, and I'm sure you know there was more in that um, file. But what what is clear is that many, if not all, of the cops at Springfield knew Kevin Burnham was stealing um, from the evidence room, right? I mean, do you, do you... a
1: lot of this stuff should have come out seven years ago, right? Yes, yes. All right, so some of the stuff that you brought up was brand new to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is this is to me mind-boggling. Do you guys agree? Yeah. I have not seen this any of this in the in the papers, right? I don't I don't think I've seen a story on on oh, like that cops knew that Kevin Burnham was stealing uh, money. Years and years prior to him quitting and getting arrested,
2: yeah. right? And the point I mentioned earlier that you know, there in 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 the court uh, system, people have have challenged um, convictions based on the work of Kevin Burnham, um, uh, and the courts have sort of said, "Well, there's no evidence that he you know tampered with the, the evidence and uh, just the cash," and I'm sort of trying to think of any other situation in our legal system where someone's credibility could be completely trashed, and yet we compartmentalize the the lack of credibility to one specific area. Yes. Right. So you have a, a drug dealer who deals fentanyl, right, the scourge of the universe, and uh, but there's no evidence that he deals heroin. You know, like what what, what who would say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, they, 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 why did we draw this like bright line around the the cash and then pretend that he, but he was impeccable otherwise? So it's v- very troubling that not only has this not been out on the cash side, but that the courts, um, you know, w- w- whether correctly or incorrectly, I mean, I, you know, you'd have to read read the decisions, but it seems like a very generous approach by the courts. To say, well, without evidence that he actually tampered with evidence, you can't even make that argument, right? You can't uh uh whereas I I think it w- would have been appropriate to say, well, let's have let's 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 have a review, let's have a trial, let's let's test this issue. Uh, we learned a lot when we did that on the drugs on the drug lab side, right? We learned right. a lot. Has of there what ever was been an on.
0: investigation into that? They say there's no evidence, but did they really look? Oh uh, yeah, I don't I don't think so. But and that's the thing like they they, all they want to do is just um is just just not dismiss cases and they do everything to do it And the in the the courts are are behind law enforcement on that and they they will just you know until they're forced they will not dismiss these cases
1: i mean it it reminds me of uh, a couple of years ago it was one of chief Justice Gantz's last opinions before he died, but I think it was in the matter of a grand jury investigation, and uh, that was the case caption. And um, uh, it was a situation where um, one police officer had gotten indicted, a couple others uh, weren't indicted because they received immunity for testifying against the fellow. And it was generally about prosecutorial misconduct and police misconduct. And in the opinion in there, it says like, well, um, you know, uh, someone, uh, lying about overtime, uh, typically won't be enough to overturn a conviction, you know, and it just like, they put that in there because there was all this stuff about the state police lying on overtime and committing fraud, Uh, And it just, uh, you know, it's totally unsatisfactory. But getting back to the point, so, you know, uh, they all knew, it seems like the other officers knew this guy was dirty. And, uh, you know, the individuals who were uh, redacted in the reports that you just read, we should know who they are and what cases they worked on because they knew a fellow police officer was stealing and laundering money right, right. and and that that's not cheating on overtime that's
0: yeah. that that's fraud on a massive scale right fraud that that affected all these cases and affect and like and not beyond that like th- some of these people may have been innocent <laughs> you know they so that's just straight up stealing from innocent people that's the police stealing from innocent people, not just drug dealers. Cause y- y- you think that's like, Oh, these are all drug dealers. It's, you know, I mean, it's a, like, what's the big deal. It's, you know, they're just stealing drug money. I mean, I'm sure some people that were, that want to defend that would say this and it's like, well, not everyone who's charged with a crime is guilty. I know so, and it's, it's hard to fathom,
2: but. I scan the, the list of, of at least some of the, um, uh, of the uh, uh, discrepant the missing amounts. And I mean there are a lot of small dollar amounts. I mean $310 or dollars yep. and um you know a, I have a hard time believing that that's you know drug dealer money but but also I mean that was probably all the money that the person had at the time. Yeah. Right they don't forfeit. They don't look at the money and say well this the, the dog says this smells like cocaine but this doesn't so you can keep that money. No they right. take all the money. Right, right. And this is the unique species and we'll cover this more when we do civil forfeiture, but this is a unique aspect of the war on drugs, which is that you just get to, to vacuum large amounts of cash. Yep, that are poorly tracked and allow for people to go on cruises um, and uh, and 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 then when when anyone tries to decriminalize anything we're told that no because it's the streets will be flooded with crime. When it seems like there's another motive that's driving this issue that no one talks about, which is money,:
0: Yeah, which is the cops getting all this money to run whatever the fuck they do with it, and it would be very interesting to see what they do. But that will be um, another episode. And also Elias, though, cars, possessions. like you can say that things were used in, you know, correspondence with a, with a drug crime. And you and you can take all that stuff as well. So it's not just money; it's possessions too. It's crazy, right? It's, and then apparently, value. if no one steps forward to claim
2: it, they can the the department or the town, the city can say that's our car now.
0: Yeah, that's my Porsche. Unbelievable, guys. It's been great. Um, thank you so much. Uh, great talking to you. Um, and we will be back as soon as we can. I know we're we're a little busy. Hopefully, we'll get another one in uh, before the end of the year.
2: Thank
0: you. Talk to you soon.
2: Bye.